I often wonder why that the elders would choose to use a mule instead of a thoroughbred <laughs> in the services. But uh, in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I'm reminded, uh, of course, of the, of the story of the little boy who was sitting beside the road and man come up and stopped and he said, son, how far is it to the next town? He said, I don't know. He said, how big a town is it? He said, I don't know. He said, what's the name of the next city? He said, I don't know. He said, son, you don't know much, do you? He said, no, but I ain't lost. So we're wanting to talk about a different kind of being lost. It would be a terrible thing to be lost in the mountains or in the woods somewhere, not know your way back home. It would be a frightening thing. But that's nothing compared to being lost eternally, uh, as we studied some in the Bible class this morning. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 2 through 4, Brother Greg read that, and he says we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty and we're not walking in craftiness and we're handling the word of God deceitful, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But now take special note of verse 3. He says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hidden to them that are lost. They have no... Uh, uh, use for the gospel. Some people don't. In verse 4 he says, In whom the gospel of this world has been, uh, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel uh, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And then Ephesians 2.12 that Greg read, there is Paul was speaking here and he said that at that, at that time you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, and having no hope in the world without God. That would be a terrible position to be in, wouldn't it? No hope in the world and without God. So we need to be honest with each other. We need to admit when we're wrong and so forth, you know. A lot of times we don't like to admit that we're wrong. Uh, it's hard for us to do that. We need to be candid about everything, you know. Uh, there was a story about... Uh, the preacher went home with his family for, for lunch. And uh, he, while the lady was out in the, in the kitchen fixing the lunch, the preacher and the little boy sat down on the couch there, and they were talking. The preacher said, son, said, what are we having for lunch today? And the little boy said, we're having buzzard. He said, buzzard? He said, why, well, yeah. He said, mother said, we might as well have the old buzzard and get it over with. <laughs> So if you don't want the truth, don't ask a child because they'll tell you the truth every time. So number one, we're lost spiritually unless we have obeyed the gospel. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father uh, which is in, in heaven. And he goes ahead to say that, uh, Lord, they'll say, Lord, haven't we prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? But then he said, then while I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. Then he said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I liken him to a wise man that built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended, the winds 
when the floods came, the winds blew and beat up on that house, and it fell not, because it was founded upon a rock. And whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I liken him to a, a foolish man that built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the wind blew up a beat upon the house, and it fell, and the scripture says that great was the fall thereof. And the people were astonished at uh, Christ's teachings because he taught them as one that had authority and not as one of the scribes. That's Matthew 7, 21 through 27. So we're lost unless we do God's will. We're lost if we don't obey his will. In 1 Peter 4, 17, he says, For the time has come that judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of uh, them be that obey not the gospel? That's self-answering almost, isn't it? Then also those that don't obey the gospel are going to be punished. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, he says, And you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting punishment from, from, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So what does obedience do for us? We have to obey. Obedience, might I suggest, frees us. In Romans 6, verse 17, uh, 17 and 18, he says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. He's not saying, I'm glad you was a sinner, but it, this is past tense. You were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from, uh, from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So we might ask the question, how do we become servants of righteousness? In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye received, and wherein ye stand. Verse 2, he says, By the which ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3, I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. In Romans 6, 1 through 5, he tells us how we become servants of righteousness. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not so many of us as were baptized into Christ? We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should also rise to walk uh, in a newness of life. For if we have been planted with him in the likeness of his death, we shall be with him also in the likeness of his resurrection. That's going to be a great day, isn't it? A spectacular day. Then number two, we're lost unless we are in the Lord's church. Christ died for the church. Acts 20, 28, he says, Take heed to yourself and to the flock which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. He's talking about the elders. Feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Christ gave himself for the church. Ephesians 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself uh, for it. 
The saved are added to the church. Acts 2.38, you know, there on Pentecost when preacher Peter was preaching to all those folks and, and uh, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do, you know? And Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he goes ahead uh, 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 in verse uh, 37 through 41. It said, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And Peter and the rest of the apostles, and then that's when they asked the question. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he told them to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And then he says in verse 39, the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off. All that are afar off. that are not uh, familiar with the gospel. Even as many as the Lord God shall call. And it says with many other words did he testify and say, save yourself from this crooked or untoward generation. Verse 47, then he goes on down. Well, verse 41 says that they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day there was added about 3,000 souls. Of course, there was probably, Ben Lester was talking about this this morning, there was probably a million and a half people there on the day of Pentecost. And th we, we would think 3,000 souls was a lot of people, but comparative to the number that was there, it would be a very small amount of people. But verse 47 of Acts 2 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. We don't join the church. We're not voted into the church. The scripture says that God adds us to the church such as should be saved. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, he says, By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, where we be Jew or Gentile, bond or free. And have been all made to drink of one spirit. If you want to really know about unity, turn over to Ephesians 4 and read that chapter sometime about unity. Then Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says that he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The body is the church. Number three, we're lost unless we're in Christ because salvation is in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy 2.10, he says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In Acts 4.12, powerful verse of Scripture here, says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Re redemption then also, not only is salvation in Christ, redemption is in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.13 and 14. He says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath tra translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of of sin through his blood in Revelation 9 and verse 22 it says almost most things are purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there could be no remission of sins 
If Christ hadn't went to the cross and shed his life's blood there, we would have been eternally lost, condemned. Eternal life is in Christ. 1 John 5 and 11. And this is, the, this is the record that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. We're new creatures in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become as new. And we've already quoted Romans 6, 1 through 5 there, that we're baptized into Christ, we're buried with Him by baptism into death, and that we rise to walk in a, in a new, newness of life, if you want to read that. Because uh, if we have been planted together with Him in the likeness of His death, we'll be with Him also in the likeness of His resurrection. And how do we get into Christ? Galatians 3, 26 and 27, it says, For you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Christ shed his blood for us. In John 19, 32 and 34, Brother Randy's been talking about a powerful lesson on the, the resurrection, you know, on the crucifixion, rather, I should say. And uh, in John 19, 32, it says that they came, that uh, the soldiers came and break the legs of the first, and then they came to the second and break his, his legs. But verse 33 says, when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, that uh, one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced his side, and forthwith came therefrom blood and water. So Christ shed his blood for the remission of our sins. We're lost unless we're a faithful Christian, number four. We, can't, we cannot be neglectful. We can't sleep, as we talked about in our lesson this morning. Uh, just relax, you know. Uh, the only way you can drift is downhill. It takes effort to go uphill, but the only way you can drift is to go downhill. You, got, you go with the current that way. But we are, we are, we're lost unless we're a faithful Christian, and we, we cannot be neglectful. In Hebrews 2, 1 through 4, he says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which is the first begin spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Verse 4, God also bearing them witnesses, signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So we have to not be neglectful, but we must be spiritually minded. In Romans 8, 5 through 9, he says, those that are of, of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And they that are of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6 says, be to carnally minded is death, or to be worldly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And that's what we want in it, isn't it? Eternal life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity with God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And it so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, 
He is none of His. He, he doesn't belong to Christ if he, if he don't have the Spirit of Christ. Friends, we need to believe to the saving of our soul. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, we refer to this sometimes as a catalog of sin. It's, it lists, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, uh, heresies. Then he says in verse 21, envies, murders, drunkenness, and such like. Any kind of carrying on like that and such like. Uh, the which I tell you before as I also told you in time past. They that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If we, if we practice those things, we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's just that plain. We need to be kept by faith, through faith. But that's a working faith. That's not just a mental belief or something, you know, a recognition of something. But it's a faith that worketh through love, the scripture tells us. And James says that as a body without the spirit is dead, so then faith without works is dead being alone. So we, we need a work, work in faith. He says in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has forgotten us, begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance. Now this is what we desire. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That's the inheritance he's talking about. Paul referred to it in 2 Timothy as a crown of, of righteousness, which the Lord God shall give to me in that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Uh, who are kept by the power of God unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Of course, everything is going to be naked and open with God and Christ with whom we have to do. And in the final day of judgment, we'll stand before the judgment bar of the scriptures teaches us and, and give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. We need to be steadfast in, the, in uh, the work of the Lord. We need to be kept through faith. We need to believe the saving of the soul, but we need to be steadfast unto death. In Revelation 2.10, he says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. Ye shall receive tribulation ten days, which is a figurative number, uh, but... Uh, be tribulation ten days, but be thou faithful unto death or unto the point of death, and I will give thee a crown of life. You know that's a good, that's a precious promise right there, isn't it? All we've got to do is keep His commandments and be faithful to death, and we'll receive that crown of life. We never can inherit eternal salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. It's still a gift of God. And uh, in John 14, 1 through 6 here, he tells us about another precious promise. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, 
there ye may be also. And Christ said, and whither I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's exactly what it said over in Acts 4.12, wouldn't it? That there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No man can come unto the Father but through Christ. Number one, we're lost unless we obey the gospel. We're lost unless we're in the Lord's church. We're lost unless we're in Christ. And we're lost if we're not a faithful Christian all the days of our life. That's not to say we're not going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. But the scripture says that we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. An advocate is a go-between, one that pleads your case. He's sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, pleading our case right today and all the time. So his plan, the, the way one gets into Christ, as we mentioned briefly, is by hearing. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to believe. Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God. Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then we need to repent of our sins. Romans 10.10 says with a, with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. But with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. You notice all of the steps in becoming a Christian are unto, except the one last one, baptism, is into Christ. That puts one into Christ. But then, as I said, we're weak in the flesh. We often say things that's not right. We do things that we shouldn't do. We leave off things, mostly, I believe, that we should be doing. And all of this causes us to drift away from God. The cares of the world, and we studied about the tares today, the cares of the world will sometimes cause us to apostatize and go back into sin. But thank be, thanks be to God, we have a second law of pardon. And that second law of pardon returns us to our right relationship. We can rededicate our lives unto uh, Christ by simply coming and repenting of those sins uh, publicly if they're public sins, privately if they're private, repenting of those sins and then desiring the prayers of the church and asking the Lord to forgive us of those sins. That would put us back into a right relationship with God. But we might point out one thing, that because we have obeyed the gospel, that does not guarantee 100% that we're going to enter the, the pearly gates or the kingdom of God, the heavenly kingdom, because there's so much between us. You know, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, he says that the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's going to try to entrap us. He's going to try to enslave us. To get, we can't follow, we can't uh, worship uh, Satan and, and worship Christ. It's not a divided allegiance. It's, it's an either-or. Uh, we have to make up our mind uh, which that we want to do. In Psalms 23, David, you know, 
He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the 23rd Psalm. God's invitation is extended in different places. In Revelation, it talks about the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and him that heareth come, and let him as a thirst say, Come, and whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Revelation 22, 17. And then a one that I particularly like is Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and they're heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, you can come while we stand and sing.